Genesis chapter 2, verses 16 and 17, the Word of God says, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. And let's pray. Lord, thank you for the, the Word of God. Thank you especially for Genesis, the, the book where it all began. Um, Nobody was there who's alive today that, that saw what happened. We take all the concepts and philosophies about the origin of, of the universe and of our world and humanity by faith. And Lord, we thank you that you gave us a record of how you began it all and the first man and woman. And Lord, we pray that we'd learn from their mistakes and teach us this important doctrine. Lord, help us to be busy about the salvation of lost souls and help us to be committed to living a sanctified life we pray in jesus name amen you may be seated tonight i want to preach just a simple message on the penalty of sin the penalty of sin now as a soul winning church we're familiar with this idea the penalty of sin one of the things you have to get across to a lost soul in order to help them come to Christ is they have to know that they're a sinner and they have to know that there's a penalty on sin. They have to know that Jesus Christ paid the price for sin and they have to accept Christ's payment uh, for their personal transgressions. They have to accept Christ as their personal Savior. And so we're familiar with this, but I want to look at the Bible just a little bit deeper this evening and understand the penalty of sin. The penalty for breaking God's law is severe. Severe. Most people don't understand, though, there is a twofold penalty of sin. And tonight we're going to look at what the Bible says and discover in God's Word what it says about this twofold penalty of sin. Let me lay a little groundwork first as we start here in Genesis. The first recorded conversation between God and man is found in Genesis chapter 2. Uh, the Creator gave Adam a purpose. He put him in the garden and told him to dress and to keep it. Uh, God gave man boundaries. Uh, God told Adam what he could do and what he couldn't do. And then God explained to him the penalty for disobedience. Now those are three things that every human ought to know. You ought to know why you're here. You ought to know what you should do. You ought to know what you shouldn't do. And you ought to know the penalty if you choose to disobey. Uh, we work to teach children that. We ought to work to teach everyone that. Three vital lessons. <clears throat> God told man that the penalty for disobedience was death. In the day thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely what? Die. That's pretty severe. Especially when you take into account <clears throat> that the sin that Jesus or that God was talking to him here, the sin that was a capital offense with the death penalty as the consequence, this was not murder. This was not adultery. This was not some of the terrible sins that you might think of. The sin of which God warned Adam was eating a forbidden piece of fruit. Don't eat off that tree, Adam. And there's a stark lesson here. <clears throat> it's, not, 
what you think about things that make it a sin. It's what God says is sin is sin. So you'd say, what's wrong with eating a piece of fruit? Because God said not to. That makes it a sin. Well, what's wrong with not going to church? Because God said to go. Well, what's wrong with sleeping around and shacking up? Because God said not to. What's wrong with this? What's wrong with that? Because God said not to. And if God says it's wrong, it's wrong. And if God says it's right, it's right. We judge our entire world and all of human experience by this book, the Word of God. So God told Adam, if you eat of this fruit, you're going to die. The truth that we find in the Scripture is all sin is a transgression worthy of death. All wrongdoing is a violation of God's holiness that must be punished. And every sin requires judgment. Let me give you a few facts. Every person has sinned. Amen? Everybody's a sinner. There's nobody living today on earth that has not sinned. Uh, Romans 3.10 says, As it is written, there's none righteous, no, not one. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So every person has sinned. We are sinners by birth as the sin nature passes from parents to children. We are sin natures by choice as we choose to do sin. You know, the truth is when you and I sin, nobody puts a gun to our head and makes us do it. You know why people sin? Because they want to. Because they want to. And so we're sinners by birth. Psalms 51.5 says, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Romans 5.12 says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men for the law of sin. So we're sinners by birth, and we're sinners by choice. All right. If we say that we have not sinned, we call God a liar. 1 John 1.10 says, If we say that we have not sinned, we make Him a liar, and His word is not in us. So when someone says, Oh, no, I've never sinned, this false defense is an admission that they don't know the truth of God's word. So sometimes you say it ignorantly, you don't know what God said, and sometimes you just say it out of rebellion, calling God a liar. But either way, we know that every person has sinned. That is every person but Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the only sinless man who ever lived. He was the sinless Son of God, miraculously robed in human flesh. Here's a good verse for you. 1 John 3, 5. And ye know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. That kind of settles the debate, doesn't it? He's the sinless Son of God. So not only is every person a sinner, we learn that every sinner must be punished. Look at the book of Job, Job chapter 10. Every sinner must be punished. <clears throat> Job chapter 10, and look at verse 14. If I sin, then thou markest me, and thou wilt not acquit me from mine 
iniquity. So we know that every sinner must be punished. Every person sins. Every sin requires judgment. That means every sinner must be punished. Look at Ezekiel chapter 18. Showing you a lot of verses tonight. Getting you some sound doctrine. Ezekiel chapter 18. Ezekiel chapter 18 is a great chapter on personal responsibility. Some people say, well, because my parents did this, or well, my upbringing was this. God says, I'm not going to judge the parents for the sins of the child. I'm not going to judge the child for the sins of the parents. You are personally responsible for your actions. And we find a key verse here in Ezekiel chapter 18 and verse 20. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. The son shall not bear the iniquity of the father, neither shall the father bear the iniquity of the son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon him, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon him. Great verse for personal responsibility. You and I are personally responsible before God for our actions. Don't blame anybody else. Don't play the victim. Don't don't use that card. We've all got reasons. We've all got excuses. But when, when it comes down to where the rubber meets the road, you and I are responsible for our choices. Every sinner must be punished. You say, well, maybe I'll escape. No, God is all-knowing. There is no iniquity hidden from God. No one will fall through the cracks. No sin will go unpunished. God keeps perfect records. And if you choose to die in your sin, then one day you'll be judged by your works at the great white throne judgment. Listen to this verse, Revelation chapter 20, verse 11. And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it from whose face the heaven and the earth fled away and there was no place found for them. Goes on to say in verse 12, they were judged from the books. God keeps perfect records. God knows everything you've ever said, everything you've ever done, every place you've ever gone. And God says, if you want to die in your sin, I will judge you for every single sin. Each moment of your earthly existence. I don't know about you folks, but I don't want any part of that. I've forgotten most of the sins I've ever done, but God's not forgotten. There's no escape from God. You can run like Jonah, but you'll be found. You can rebel like Cain, but you won't escape. You can even lead an insurrection like Lucifer, trying to take others with you to the dark side, but you will not defeat God. Your only hope of escape is found in the finished work of Jesus Christ. That's the only way that someone can escape eternal damnation, the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Look at Numbers chapter 32, great verse for you to memorize. Numbers chapter 32, there is no escape from our sin and from the judgment of God. Romans chapter 32 And look at verse 23. But if ye will not do so, behold, you have sinned against the Lord. And look at this last phrase. Let's say it together. And be sure your sin will find you out. You can. Oh, you can be sure. You can be sure. Your sin will find you out. 
Oh, nobody knows. God knows. Well, I just look at it in private. God knows. Well, I turn on my incognito browser, my anonymous browser. Nobody knows. I erase my history. God knows. Nobody knows where I went. God knows. My wife doesn't even know I do that. My husband doesn't even know I do that. God knows. There is no escape. Be sure your sin will find you out. Now, God's judgment upon sin is severe. Now, remember, we're laying a foundation for the penalty of sin. Sin must be judged. Every person's a sinner. That means every sinner must be judged. There is no escape. And God's judgment upon sin is severe. Sometimes because we can sin and we don't get immediately judged, we take heart in that. The Bible even talks about that sinners use that as a motivation to continue in sin. Well, I did wrong and God didn't slap me. I did wrong and nothing bad happened. It must be okay. No, folks, we live in a day of mercy and grace. The grace of God today is abundant. Matter of fact, he's withholding his wrath. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9 tells us, because he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But his wrath is real, and it is severe. And one day the Lord will unleash, unleash his wrath upon sinners. And the punishment for sin is unimaginably violent and shockingly severe. And it's no less than sin deserves. You say, well, I don't like that mean, angry God. I like that loving God. Oh, he's the same God. You know, the same person that loves their garden hates weeds. Everybody who loves things also hates things. God's love is matchless. So is his wrath. And the same God that loves is a God that hates sin. The same God that gives mercy and grace today will shockingly punish sin one day. And he's the same good God. Revelation chapter 6 verse 17 says, For the great day of his wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? Revelation 19 verse 15 says, And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of God. God's wrath is like nothing you and I have ever seen or can imagine. And it's no less than this wicked world deserves. You say, well, how could, God, how could God be so mean to punish people like that? It's not called meanness, it's called justice. By the way, that's why God went to such lengths to save us from our sin. The Father allowed His Son to be butchered on the cross, rejected by His own creation, suffering hell for all mankind, because it's the only way of escape from the fierceness of the unmixed wrath of God. See, the punishment for sin is real, folks. The penalty of sin 
is as certain as the rising of the sun. And it's coming on those who reject God's grace. Let me encourage you, if you're listening this evening and you're not sure you're saved, maybe you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, this is your future. The wrath of God is coming. Don't despise the day of grace. Accept the salvation offer of our blessed Lord Jesus. He died so that you and I could be saved. But make no mistake, if you trample underfoot the blood of the Son of God, if you despise the sacrifice of the King of glory, and you reject Him as your Savior, the human brain cannot imagine the torment that awaits you. There's no words in any language on earth that can describe the suffering, the torture, and the punishment that you will experience. And your only hope is to accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. Now, for those of us who are saved, thank God. Amen? Because the wrath of God's real. Now, the penalty of sin includes two elements. One element salvation saves you from. The other penalty of sin Christians can still experience today. So it's important you know what these are. Now, this, the lost sinner will experience both of these. The born-again Christian will experience one. And let me teach you what they are right now. First, we have the eternal penalty of sin. The eternal penalty of sin. Some of sin's consequences last forever. I want to give you a few facts as we prove that sin has eternal consequences. You see, some people think, well, after this life's done, it's done. And after this life's over, you know, the universalist theory says, well, we live on this life, but God's just going to make sure we all get to heaven. He's just going to make sure we all get there. You know, God's loving. Jesus died. He's just going to make sure we all get there. No matter what we believe, God's just got it all worked out. Folks, that's a lie from the devil. It's not true. The same God who loves us made a way for us to go to heaven, but he also warned us against the consequences of rejecting his salvation plan. All right, and the, the effects, the, the penalty of sin is eternal. Let me make the case. First, we see that God is eternal. Would you agree with that? God is eternal. Deuteronomy 33, 27 says, The eternal God is thy refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms. God's eternal. Then we see God's word is eternal. Psalm 119, 89 says, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. So we have an eternal God. We have his eternal word. Next, we see that mankind is eternal. In Genesis 2, 7, the Bible says, And the Lord God formed the man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. So when the eternal God breathed life into man, it was eternal life. The physical body began living and breathing, but there was an eternal soul that was conceived that will live forever somewhere. So mankind is eternal. The penalty for sin is eternal also. 
There is an eternal penalty demanded by the eternal God for eternal man breaking God's eternal law. You see it? See, God's eternal. Everything God does is eternal. And you and I, although we are living on earth today, we have an, an everlasting soul that's going to live forever. And there are eternal consequences to our choices in this earthly life. The place of eternal torment is called what? Hell. hell. The place of eternal torment is called hell. Hell is the eternal abode of sinners. It's a place of unimaginable punishment. Look at Revelation chapter 20. And we're talking about the penalty of sin, laying the groundwork. The penalty of sin has two parts. First, there's the eternal penalty for sin. Revelation chapter 20. I know we're covering a lot of ground tonight, but it's also ground that's familiar to most of us here this evening. Basic doctrines of the Word of God. Revelation chapter 20. And look at verse 12. We mentioned it earlier. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened. It's the books of works. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the what? Books, not the book. The books. See, here's how this works. God has a set of books over here, sins on your account, and he has the book. God looks in the book. If your name is there, you're not at the judgment seat at all, the, the great white throne judgment. All right, but when someone's there, God's jest, he opens the book and makes sure their name's not written there. You were never born again. You never accepted Jesus as your Savior. The book of life is, is closed, and then he opens the books. Every sin that was ever committed by the person being judged. And they're judged out of the books. This is where it gets exponentially uh, severe. Every sin deserves hell. Every sin is accounted for. And so it's eternal judgment upon eternal judgment upon eternal judgment times infinity times countless sins. The lost are judged out of the books. Look at verse 13. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their what? Works. Now look at verse 14. And death and hell were cast into the what? Like a fire, this is the second death. Now, here's a little bit deeper theology. What we know as hell is still a lake of fire. It still has all the elements, but it is a temporary holding place for lost souls. One of these days, hell, as we know it, will be cast into their eternal abode known as the lake of fire, and that is the second death. Verse 15, whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So this place of hell is, is a place of unimaginable punishment. Let me give you three thoughts about this eternal punishment for sin. First of all, it is eternal separation from God. Look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. 
2 Thessalonians chapter 1. And look at verses 8 and 9. In flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God, and that obey not the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. These are lost people. These are those that rejected Christ. Verse 9, who shall be punished with everlasting what? Destruction from the presence of the Lord. We know that sin separates from God, don't we? But one of the punishments of sin, the eternal punishment, is eternal separation from God. Eternal separation from all that is good. Eternal separation from love. Eternal separation from hope. Eternal separation from joy. There is no good in that place. And I don't think it's possible for you and I to understand how spiritually dark a place would be that is absent from all goodness and all that is good about God. You know, when we go into the prison, it's a spiritually dark place. You can feel kind of the spiritual oppression. I've been to cities and towns that don't have a gospel witness, and there's almost a spiritual oppression. There's just not a lot of light there. Darkness is almost oppressive. But I think it's impossible for you and I to understand how dark spiritually, how, how terrible a place could be where there is absolutely the complete and utter absence of anything that could be called good. And this is part of the eternal punishment from sin. Eternal separation from God, who is the fount of all good. Next we see another element of this eternal separation is, or eternal punishment of sin is eternal torment. Notice in verse 9, it says, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction. So hell is a place of eternal punishment, and they're punished with everlasting destruction. Now, the Greek word for destruction here literally means ruin or punishment. Eternal punishment is the destiny of the damned. Now, we see a sneak peek into this eternal torment in the story of the rich man and Lazarus. And the rich man's first moments in hell are shared by the Savior in this verse, Luke chapter 16, verse 23. And in hell, he, that's the rich man, lift up his eyes, being in torments. And before the rich man ever opened his spiritual eyes, he felt the lick of the flames of hell. He was tormented with extreme pain and anguish the utmost degree of misery in the body and mind. It's impossible for us to describe the torture, the torment, mentally, physically, emotionally, that people are experiencing in hell today. You say, I don't like to think about that. I don't either, but it's better to think about it now when we can help people do something about it than be confronted with it later when we can't help people do anything about it. So we see eternal torment, eternal separation from God, and then we see eternal death. If you remember back in Genesis chapter 2, verse 17, 
the Lord said that in the day ye eat thereof, ye shall surely die. But wait a minute, they didn't die physically when they ate the fruit. No, they died spiritually. See, the, the penalty of sin comes in two ways, physical death and spiritual death. Physical death comes later, spiritual death happened at that moment, and they were separated from God as their spirit died. That's why they go from one night walking with God in the midst of the garden, and the next evening they're hiding from Him in the bushes. What happened? They died. They lost that connection with the Creator. Look at Mark chapter 9. We're talking about the penalty of sin. Mark chapter 9 speaks of hell. This is a message given by the Lord Jesus Christ about hell. We'll just look at two verses. Mark chapter 9 verses 43 and 44. And if thy hand offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter into life maimed than having two hands to go into hell, into the fire that never shall be quenched where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. Now, I want, I want to just settle something for you. A lot of people wonder if there's fire in hell. Jesus Christ himself said there is fire in hell. Hell is a place of eternal damnation, of everlasting torment in the fires of hell. I don't care what some preacher says. I don't care what some professor says. Jesus Christ said hell is a place where the fire shall never be quenched. Then he says something interesting, where the worm dieth not. There's two thoughts about this. Some people think there are almost like these worms in hell that you feel crawling all over your body. Now, for some people, that would be hell. Amen. How many of you ladies would like to just be eternally covered with worms, right? and just feeling them crawling all over you and, and all of that. Personally, I believe what this verse means, and this is what a lot of, of people that study the Bible believe, I believe this is talking about conscience and memory. The, the memories of this life are like a worm that wiggles in the mind. It just bores into the head. It never stops. Every opportunity they had to get saved, they remember Every time they rejected Christ, they remember. Every time they knew they shouldn't sin, but they chose to, will be played vividly in their mind. And the memories of this life, their choices and their rejection of God and the Savior, play forever like a broken record tormenting them. God reminding them they had every opportunity to not come to this terrible place called hell. Folks, hell's a terrible place, unimaginably horrible. It's a place of eternal death. Hell is a place where you die forever. Remember the burning bush in Exodus chapter 3? The Bible says the, the bush was burning, but it was not consumed. Here in hell, we see souls that are on fire, but they're not consumed. They just burn forever. 
the soul will be forever dying, but not able to die. Remember in the book of Revelation where God says there's going to be a six month period where he's going to pause death. The, the, the wrath of God will be so bad, people will try to kill themselves to escape the pain and the torture, but God will put a pause on death. No one will be able to die. And hell is a place where God says, you're going to be in the process of dying, but never die. You're going to be burning, but never be burnt up. It's hard to imagine the unthinkable spiritual, emotional, and mental suffering for all eternity. Now, this is the sure end of lost souls. If you're lost tonight, this is you. And I haven't come close to doing it justice. Our lost friends, our lost loved ones, our lost co-workers, lost family, this is their destiny. Unless something changes. You say, Pastor, that's horrible. I know that's why we ought to win souls. Jesus Christ loved them enough to leave heaven and come down to earth, live for three decades and die a horrible death. You think we ought to care enough to open our mouth? We ought to care enough to give someone a track? Of course we should. But thanks be to God, through faith in Jesus Christ, the Christian will never face this suffering. That's good news, isn't it? So all the terrible things I've said and all the weight that places upon us, personally that weight should be lifted saying, praise be to God, I'll never go there. I'll never be eternally separated from God. I'll never be in eternal torment. I'll never die eternally. I am saved from the eternal penalty of sin. And we ought to praise God for that. But then lastly, we see the earthly penalty of sin. See, we said sin has two parts. There's the eternal penalty. There's the earthly penalty. Now, sinners will face both. But Christians, let me warn you. The blood of Jesus Christ saves you from the eternal consequences of sin. But you will have to endure the earthly penalty of sin. You and I can choose to sin today. It's covered. It's paid for. We shouldn't. We ought to live righteously because we're saved. Amen. But I could choose to go out and rob a bank tonight. I'm not going to rob a bank. It's a convenience store. It's not as big of a deal. I'm just, making, I'm just making sure you're listening. Some of you just tuned in. Like, what? Let's say we choose to go knock off Northrop's over here. Brother Dave will drive. It's his brother's place. He'll just he'll drive for us, and we'll go in there and steal some Gatorade and some little Debbies. Amen? And the brother Pash will go for the chew and the skull and the cigarettes, and we'll just tell him, no, this is a Christian robbery. We're not going to go there. And so we could do that, and, you know, we'd never go to hell because Jesus paid for that. But we will go to jail. And I'm going to flip and turn on brother Pash, and I'll go out free, and then he'll stay in there longer. That's just how it all works, right? No, none of that's going to happen, praise God. And by the way, I'd never talk. I'm not, no, I'm kidding. 
Christians are in danger of the earthly penalty of sin. If a murderer gets saved on death row, he will go to heaven when he dies, but he is not released from prison. We see a lot of people saved in jail, but the warden doesn't say, oh, you got saved? Oh, here, you can leave today. No, there's still a consequence. That's why God teaches us to live holy lives separated from sin. He wants us to escape the earthly penalty of sin as well as the eternal. Now, I want you to look at me. We're a church that preaches old-fashioned righteousness and holiness. I believe every Christian ought to strive to live a sanctified, separated life. Now, none of us are, are the best at it. I fail, you fail. But that's the goal, and we ought to strive. A lot of churches have stopped preaching against, right, or, or, or against sin and stopped preaching righteousness. This come as you are and leave as you came. This just love Jesus and everything's going to be great in heaven, but live like the devil while you're on earth type of Christianity. Folks, that's not God's type of Christianity. God called us to live a separated, sanctified life, not because he's trying to hinder us from having fun, but because he knows better than anybody, he saved us from the eternal penalty of sin, but there is an earthly penalty of sin that's just as real. That's why there are so many people who are born-again Christians and their lives today look more like hell than they do like heaven. Their lives are filled with more torment than they are joy. And the choices you and I make are very important. God wants us to escape the earthly penalty for sin as well as the eternal. Let me give you a few of the earthly penalties of sin and will be done. Look at Romans chapter 6. We're talking about the penalty of sin. I have no patience for the type of Christianity that says, well, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven, I can live however I want. First of all, that is not the spirit of Christ. Matter of fact, it makes me doubt if perhaps you're even saved at all. I don't know your heart. I know people that I believe are saved that have been as backslidden as the devil. But let me tell you something. God won't let you be happy in sin for long. He chastises his children. And someone that has this idea, well, I, I said a prayer, so I'm just going to live like the devil. and I'll go to heaven someday. I worry about you, friend. The salvation prayer isn't some magical incantation that you say and now you just can do whatever you want. No, being born again is putting your faith in Jesus Christ and the Bible says God moves in. There is a part of you that becomes new. There is a new creature that moves in. And yes, you as a Christian can choose to follow the dark side of the flesh, but you will be tormented by the Spirit of God within you, and your Heavenly Father will eventually chastise you. Now, some people say, I've been living in sin for years. God, God's never chastised me. Well, Hebrews says you might be a bastard and not a son. 
I'm not, I'm not saying that as a bad word. That's a Bible word. He may not be your father at all. The neighbor's kids misbehave all they want. I don't punish them. But my kids, there's a certain line. So we've got to be careful of this attitude. Every committed Christian struggles with sin, but they also learn to hate their sin and they so desperately want to do right. And if you're a backslidden Christian today and you just don't care about doing things, maybe you're barely here, you're just here because you didn't want me to see you gone, or you're here because your wife or your husband made you come or your parents made you come, let me tell you something, friend. You're walking a dark path because there are Earthly penalties for sin that will ruin your life. And so God wants us to live a holy life. Amen. Now look at Romans chapter 6. I don't know why I got on that, but the Lord wanted me to say it. All right, look at verse 8. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. See, we're supposed to be serving God. Look at verse 10. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but he liveth, he liveth unto God. So we're supposed to be living for God after we're saved. Verse 12. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. So it's our choice whether we let not uh, sin reign. Verse 13, neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. So my hands, my feet, my mouth, everything that I have, each part of me, I should be yielding to God, asking God to use it for His glory and make it righteous instead of yielding to the old tendencies of the flesh. All right, now look at verse 21. Look at verse 20. <clears throat> For when ye were the servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness. Verse 21, what fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now what? Ashamed for the end of those things is death. Now he's talking to Christians here. The end of those things is death. Folks, sin still brings death to the Christian. It'll kill you early. Sin will kill your marriage. It'll kill your relationship with your children. It'll kill your finances. It'll kill your joy. It'll kill your peace. It'll kill your purpose. Sin still destroys everything it touches in this earthly life. So although we're saved from the eternal penalty of sin, we have to take into account the earthly penalty of sin. But notice he said one of the earthly penalties of sin is shame. Shame. Shame is a harsh word. It's even harder to feel. Have you ever been caught doing something wrong and you were ashamed? We don't take time to develop that. But shame is a terrible penalty of sin. Next, we see the penalty of sin, pain and suffering. Don't turn to it for time's sake. Psalm 51 speaks of the repentant heart of David, but we see that sin caused him a lot of suffering. Sin caused David loss of a child. Sin caused David the loss of the respect of his family and the loss of a respect of a nation. Sin caused David the loss of an older son who 
rebelled. The daughter who was raped. Another son who was murdered. He goes on to say, sin gave him a dirty heart. Sin stole his joy. Sin took his purpose. And through Psalm 51, he's praying that God would restore these things to him that sin stole. Oh, my friend, it's a high price to sin for a child of God. This earthly penalty. Next, we see the earthly penalty of sin, self-hatred. Job 42, 6, wherefore I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. You know, you can hate yourself. You can hate yourself. You ever do something, you sin, and boy, you just hate yourself. I can't believe I did that again. I can't believe I... What's wrong with me? You begin to beat yourself up. It's one of the penalties of sin. Disquiet. Psalm 38, verse 3. There's no soundness in my flesh because of thine anger, neither is any rest in my bones because of my sin. Sin stills your peace. It, it creates a war within you. It causes turmoil. You can't calm down. You get anxious. You begin to worry. You can't settle down. It's time to sleep and you can't sleep. So what do you do if, if you're not repenting? You run to more sin. I need another fix. I need another hit. I need to turn the music up louder. I need another drink. I need another smoke. I, I need more because I'm trying to deal with the disquiet. And every time you indulge in that sin, all it does is create more penalty. And you indulge and it creates more penalty. It's like digging your own grave. But one of the great, the great earthly penalties of sin is the disquietness of the heart. Folks, never underestimate the peace of God. Where you can just lay your head on your pillow at night and everything's okay. You can look in the mirror and you're not who you ought to be, but you also don't hate yourself. Disquiet is a great earthly penalty. The last thing I'll say tonight is disease. Disease is an earthly penalty of sin. Job 20 verse 11, His bones are full of the sin of his youth, which shall lie down with him in the dust. Sin can affect us physically. It causes disease. How many people get cirrhosis of the liver from drunkenness? How many get lung cancer from smoking? How many get hepatitis and other diseases from using dirty needles? How many get addicted to the sins of this life and they just need more and more and more to the place they can't even function in society? Sexually transmitted diseases are specific diseases that it seems God created for those who choose to indulge in immorality. Mental illness. When you and I choose to sin, it creates a mental instability. We talked about that this morning, but when we turn to God, God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. When we're right with God, He gives us a divine protection for our thoughts. Not that we won't struggle, but He gives us a sound mind. Although faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ erases the eternal penalty of sin, the earthly penalty remains. What am I saying? If you're not saved tonight, get saved. 
You're one heartbeat away from unthinkable torment. But Christian, we're saved from the earth, from the eternal penalty of sin, and thank God we are. You ought to praise Him tonight. You ought to praise Him in the morning. But let's not think that we're immune to the earthly penalty of sin. Let's choose to live righteous and holy lives. The fleeting pleasures of sin are simply not worth the lasting consequences. Amen. Father, thank you for the truth. Just foundational things tonight. Just really basic, sound doctrine. But Lord, we need to be reminded of the basics and help us to have a heart for those that are lost. Help us be thankful and be filled with gratitude for the salvation of our own souls. Help our church to be a church with a heart for sinners. Help us to have all types of ministries that reach out into this world so that we can affect people for Christ. And Lord, protect us. Boy, Satan likes to to get us caught up. Even as Christians in these earthly sins, he loves it when we get crossways with God and then we punish ourselves and then God has to chastise us and Lord I just pray that you'd help us this evening to understand the the penalty of sin to learn a holy hatred for sin and to strive to live sanctified separated lives for your glory